This is the Extra Mile. <laughs> I couldn't hold it. Welcome to the Extra Mile. Oh, he's doing it. I'm here, uh, G5 with Justin. This is not as fun when I do it, but it this is, is what has happened. <laughs> Oh, oh man we should redo this nah it's fun no. keep it going we were talking about it right before the podcast of the power of the point if you can't see us if you're just listening i cue justin with a point and so we were playing around with it before the podcast of me pointing him at like random times go he go could go. control himself he glitched the blue screen glitched. let me shut down real quick and i'm back okay good Woo. well welcome to the extra mile everybody thanks caleb for everything that you do you're welcome. Except for that time that you pointed at me wrong. <laughs> anyway, if you are just listening to Extra Mile, we welcome you to like, comment, and subscribe. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Man. So, there was a... We were talking about what we should talk about. Um, and there's a, something I've been mulling over in my brain. I'll let you mull it over as well. Contentment. Right? Um, I was watching a movie the other day. That was very interesting, and he had said a, a quote. It's probably a popular quote, but I just heard it for the first time, and it was, compromise is simply just being happy enough to walk away. Um, it's not, he's like, compromise is not being so happy that you got your way. It's being happy enough that you walked away, that each party was able to walk away. Um and I thought that was a really interesting concept of, of a compromise. Like, okay, okay. And then I got to thinking about contentment and how the two m- maybe go hand in hand. Like, maybe contentment is just a compromise. So that's my question. Is contentment just being happy enough to walk away? From life? Like, from anything. Like, whatever it is that you may not be content in. Oh, I don't have this big enough house. Or I wish I was further in my career. Or, you know, I wish, I wish I was taller. Um, that's not personal at all. <laughs> Am I just is me being content with that, that woe, just being happy enough to walk away, or should I be searching for something else? Because I think when we talk about contentment in the Bible, are we? saying it wrongly or maybe we're correct i don't know this is just a fun search you should be happy with you know you you get what you get and you don't throw a fit and you should be unrealistically happy with the things that you've been given you know but i don't know maybe we should be happy with a compromise does this make sense or is yeah, this too it's, much it's an interesting okay. question so I, the first thing that i go to is defining content is when you use a word, words have meanings. Yes. So as an adjective, it's in a state of peaceful happiness. Mm. So peaceful happiness means that uh, almost that you've gone through a journey mm-hmm. or that you've mentally arrived. So you, you've had to experience other stimuli that gets you to content, right? a contented state. As a verb, it's used to satisfy someone. Nothing would content her, it says. And as a noun, as a as state of satisfaction. Or it's a member of the British House of Lords. Oh, 
Okay. So that makes sense. I think we can we could probably ignore that one, but a state of satisfaction. Satisfaction and in a state of peaceful happiness. To be content means happy enough just to walk away. I don't know. Maybe that's used incorrectly. Maybe that is used incorrectly. Maybe if it's supposed to be joy and peace, contentment is, then, then, yeah, maybe that is. But how often, though, do we treat contentment like I should just be happy enough to walk away? Like, I guess I'll be content. That's the expression that we usually get. I usually be content. Yeah, I know that you're kind of stuck in that bind, and I know this is the way things are, but you just need to be content with it. So I'm just going to be happy with the reality that it is, and by saying that, I'm just going to force myself to be happy. I mean, that's how we usually express it. It is what it is. Yeah, but that's not really contentment, is it? Uh, I think it's Is that apathy? Maybe so. Um, So Philippians 4, I think this is a passage many of us know. If not, it's a good one if you haven't. I have a great joy in the Lord because now at last, verse 10, now at last you have, again, expressed your concern for me. Now I know you were concerned before, um, but had no opportunity to do anything. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in any circumstance. Um, I have experienced times of need and times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment. Whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing, I am able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you did well to share with me in my trouble. That's an amazing look into that. I've never ponder, I've never considered that. Philippians four ten. Mm-hmm. Well, it it makes sense if you think about it in the context of having experience where you say, "I've arrived at this state." of where what Paul is saying is that he has learned and he's learned through experience to be content in whatever circumstances I am. My version says, yes, um, it is. So it is a learning thing. That's one thing that I underline and make that known. And maybe that's where the frustration comes in because people don't want to learn. They want contentment immediately and, and like right away. So they want that joy and that peace with their situation now. And what comes feels, seems like what should be contentment, but is it's not some, it's something else. It's a compromise when maybe that's not what compromise, it's not what should it be. And instead we need to learn, it's going to take time, like with Paul, it's going to take time to be content. The secret of contentment, it's a secret. What's wrong with compromise? I think compromise implies that there is something wrong. Excuse me. Like, like I'm compromising. Like, I'm happy with a situation, or I'm forced to be happy with a situation that I wish wasn't the case. Right? I wish I got my way. Maybe, maybe there's nothing wrong. Compromise. I think that the natural. Uh, way of things is that obviously I want what I want. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, in now considering it in this context, it makes sense that the Christian is learning or you have to consider that, especially what Paul is talking about there, that life's going to happen, that you're going to have great times and you're going to have bad times. Yeah. And that, 
whatever times come, that there is a state of mind, content, a state of peaceful happiness, <coughs> that when whatever situation befalls you, you have a rock that you're founded on. Mm -hmm. And that's the blessings of God. I mean, in Jesus's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, even, it's talking about why are you worrying? Why are you worrying about your life? I mean, God holds you so much more precious than even the things that he automatically takes care of that you have no involvement in, like the birds. Who feeds the birds? Mm -hmm. Whether you believe that birds are real or not. Yes. They are there and they're flying around and they're typically around Torchy's Tacos picking up my tortilla chips. But they're going to find whatever it is that they're going to eat and God provides for them. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and he um, cares about them. But he cares about you much more, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like even the lilies of the field, he says, they they don't toil. They don't they don't worry about their life. They don't go and work in the field. They don't grow cotton and then and spin that or cut wool. They don't worry about Oh, this flower is more beautiful than I am. Exactly. <laughs> Look at the petals on that one. <laughs> Make that <a> short. <laughs> well, you worry warts. I mean, and Matthew 13, that's such an amazing illustration about sowing where the thorns, that environment where the seeds fall among the thorns and the thorns consume it. They choke it out. And it yeah. he talks about the deceit of wealth. And he talks about... Um, Wor the worrying, like where, where where you worry yourself, the worries of life. And so it seems that that is what, uh, that's what befalls us is whenever we are trying to get our way and we're in constant conflict with everyone around us because we have to have what we want to have. Whereas Paul obviously wanted the things that he wanted and before he was converted, when he was Saul of Tarsus still, he was able to. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had wealth. He had power. Mm -hmm. He had knowledge. And even so much so that when he began persecuting the church, persecuting Christians, he was able to have recommendation. Is it from the Sanhedrin or the high priest? Like he had documentation that allowed him to go and persecute these people. Excuse me. So he had he had status. He had his way. And, I mean, I think that he would say that it led him to... Uh, it led him to his greatest sins, I suppose. So much so that when he talks about his conversion and in this Philippian letter, his contentedness is that no matter what befalls him, God's going to take care of him. And he even is one to say when in his persecution... To me, for me to live as Christ and to die, that's gain. Mm -hmm. And if you're in that state of mind, I'm terrified of dying. Except when I really start thinking about it and you start thinking about faith, we all have to. We all have to cross that threshold. As Hamlet says, it's the when we shuffle off this mortal coil. But when you think about going and being with Christ, that is gain. Why Why would we want to stick around here when we can go be with him? So you're just saying like eternity is our source of contentment? I would think so because when you think about, when you think about life with Christ and 
being in God's glory mm-hmm. where uh, only a couple human beings have ever seen it. Mm-hmm. You know, we actually watched Raiders of the Lost Ark the other day oh, wow. in, in my house. And so Samuel wanted to watch it. And so we watched it and, uh, the arc scene. And I said, son, this part's scary. He goes, I know dad, I've seen it before. And I said, okay. And, uh, and then I was trying to think in context of like what inspired that scene, you know, when they opened the lid, which obviously they, if it existed and they touched it, they probably wouldn't be able to touch it. But then the flame of the Lord, which it talks about on the day of Pentecost, when the flame, the Holy Spirit came on the apostles. Yes. And it's sort of like, maybe that was what their depiction of the Holy Spirit was. Mm. Uh, but every time that it talks about the ark, uh, it talks about the, the cloud descending. So God typically manifests himself in a cloud. And coming down over the ark. Anyway, I just thought that was fantastic uh, storytelling. But it struck me because Indiana Jones closed his eyes. I never knew why. And it's like, why does he say, keep your eyes shut, you know? And I never, I had never put two to two together, but uh, Moses asked God to see him in his glory. Oh. And God said, no man can look at my glory and live. Well. And so in Moses' case, he says, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to cover you with my hand and I'm going to pass my entire being in front of you, but you can turn and look at my back. Whatever that means. But apparently that's what Moses got to see. And when Jesus transfigured himself up on the mountain, Mm -hmm. he's shown with a bright, brilliant light. His clothes look like the sun, you know, and then... It was Peter and John and James. They were with him. They were witnesses to this. And they saw two figures standing with him, Moses and Elijah. Mm-hmm. And how did they know it was Moses? Did they have, like, godly name tags? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Moses. <laughs> did he have the red, black, and white? Why are you <laughs> head and hand? Why are you? <laughs> <Was> that bad? <laughs> I've always wondered that. Like, how did they know it was Elijah? <clears throat> Some dude. But maybe, I don't know, like, hey, Jesus, Jesus, like Elijah, Moses. But Moses seeing God in his glory, he was able to do it in the eternity. So when you think about like all of the amazingness that is going to come, who cares if somebody cut you off in traffic? Yeah, I get that. Did you just throw up in your mouth a little? You know what I'm saying? So, like, it puts it into context of the fact that, yeah, I can I can go, I can go hungry yeah. for a little bit. I can go without. I don't need to have the thing that I want. I don't need a new Tesla. I don't need a fifth house, whatever, mm-hmm. if you put it into that context. And then if you really t- take God out of it and look just solely at the acquisition of wealth, and you say, okay, how many yachts can you have? I'm going to have the biggest yacht. And I'm going to have anti-air defenses. I'm going to go live in the Atlantic. Yeah, I will say I found contentment with the house that I'm in when I went and visited a mansion. And I was like, oh. Why do I need this? This is just the same thing I have, but multiplied. It's with five bedrooms and with six bathrooms and the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, sure, the floors are heated, but it's like... I have a... It's just the same thing. I had a similar experience, and I I won't go too far into the experience other than I was working at a house for Mm -hmm. a guy here in town who had an automation system, and I was working on it. And I spent a significant amount of time 
in the house trying to work on the system and uh, did multiple jobs, rewired this, whatever. And I observed this person sitting at, uh, they have, you know, a huge dining room, kitchen, and then a breakfast nook with a table that had four chairs at it and then a TV right in front of it. And then he had, uh, he had a, a movie theater in the basement and Mm -hmm. he had a billiard room upstairs. I had to, there was, there was 12 TVs and it was controlled by this automation system. And yeah. uh, And this was one of the ones that uh, when the Super Bowl was happening and the TV, the 10th TV didn't show the Super Bowl and I had to go fix it. Um, And so that's the kind of stuff that they, uh, this person had. And I observed them just living and spent most of his day not in the movie theater room where I would have been, not in right. the not in the grand living room with the seven point one surround, sitting at the kitchen table in a with a short ceiling, crammed in this little corner of this mansion, not watching the TV on the iPad. Mm-hmm. He was wow. just watching stuff on the iPad. That's where he spent most of his day. Anytime I was working there. And so I made that observation thinking, you have this huge house and all this other stuff. And really, when it comes down to it, what are you content with? What are you peacefully happy with? Yes. And so do we need the iPads? Do we need the constant entertainment? Do we need, you know, the the four-wheel drive super hydro diesel? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, some people do because they need the hauling power. But um, – I don't. I guess the hard part is the learning part of Philippians 4 that we talked about because it takes us stepping out of our comfort zone, out of even our frustrations and our fears, and into a a different perspective. Stepping into the mansion and just looking at it, even though we don't want to step into the mansion because it will just remind us of what we don't have, but maybe it might actually help us appreciate what we do have. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We we took a trip recently to – my wife had a real estate – conference yeah and it was in arizona and we stayed at the arizona biltmore mm-hmm. and uh, apparently it was really big in the 60s and 50s and 60s and they had you know pictures of clark gable and marilyn monroe in the pool and stuff like that so it was really neat to see that architecturally it was designed by one of frank lloyd wright's students one of his apprentices yeah uh, and then Frank Lloyd Wright was hired as a consultant to help with the build. And it's all textile blocks. And anyway, it's really cool, fascinating uh, build. And it has since become like a Frank Lloyd Wright kind of uh, place because very close to there is Scottsdale. And that's where his Taliesin West mm-hmm. camp is. And if you know anything about architecture, it's, uh, I was so fascinated to see it in person. It was really cool. Um, why did I say all of that? To, uh, to illustrate the point that you go to this place, and I was talking to the employees who worked at this hotel. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, fangirling over <laughs> the fact that I'm in this building, and I'm staying here, and the fir- everything is amazing, and this lamp was designed by him and it's just so amazing and uh and i said don't you realize where you are and you know like is it amazing to work here and see the gold painted ceiling and like to see the light reflecting i mean he wrote he wrote theses about 
how light plays on the building and through the light screens that he, you know, it was stained glass windows and stuff. Yeah. And I said, it's amazing to see it in person. And they're like, oh, they're so hard to clean. <laughs> um, try it's cleaning like, it. I hate those windows. <laughs> they're so hard to clean. <laughs> that has a perspective. That puts it into perspective of, oh, wow. I guess it looks beautiful in pictures. And then to actually maintain it, that'd be a nightmare. Same thing with the mansion, probably. Mm-hmm. That's probably why they don't go all over the place, is because you have to clean it. You have to. I have to walk over there. Yeah. I have to take the elevator. And that's. Works. I was. I actually had that thought about uh, selling one of those automation systems where have a big mixer and then hire one of the football players from Tech <laughs> to be like, okay, we're gonna have a race where. Uh, oh, I left the I left the light on uh, over there. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's see. And let's see who can turn the light off faster. Whoever hits the switch or me doing it like this way. And so for the close one, it's probably going to be the the guy on the on foot. And so then I was envisioning, okay, go all the way up in the bedroom, way up there. And so he'd run, run, run. I'm like, "Are you there yet? Are you there yet?" Boop. I won. You know, and so I I I had that envisioned of uh, an interesting little demonstration of what these systems could do. Uh, I wouldn't recommend getting it, by the way. That's no. why that's why I don't do that anymore. Um, they're really hard to maintain, very expensive, but, uh, for people with large houses, it makes sense because you, it's like theatrical. You can, you can program buttons to turn the whole house off and stuff like that. So anyway, that's, that's cool in, in theory, but then maintaining it, it's the same thing about living in the mansion is, uh, you think you want it until you have to put up with it all the time. And so it, it almost seems that the, the life lessons would be more simplistic. And then what Paul is even saying in the spiritual realm is to say, whatever happens, whatever happens that we find the silver lining. Um, and that's hard to say sitting here in a really comfortable room, you know, we're not there actively suffering and having this conversation, but it gives me hope to think whenever those times do come and they're harsh to say, you know what, there's other people who have it harder and this is just for a little while. A couple verses to keep in mind here, I think. Um, well, first, uh, Philippians 4 tells us at the end, yeah, nevertheless, um, where is it? Where does it say that? Let me re-strengthen. Okay, yeah, there it is. Verse 13, I am able to do all things. So because of this, I am able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. And then Hebrews 13 tells us in verse 5, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's kind of like, I can do all things through the one who strengthens me. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Um so it, it's interesting. Um, I think you're right. I think it just takes it takes time, <laughs> and it takes trial and error, and it's easier said than done, I think, but it can be learned, and if learned, is beneficial and gives you that joy and the peace that we talked about earlier that contentment should be. Um, not a compromise, but actually contentment. That's an interesting state of mind you brought up, Psalm 23, 
that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies and my cup overflows to have you know an overflowing cup it's constantly being filled by God God is able to do that and I think there are times where I don't feel that way mm-hmm. and I think that that's a that's a check for me I need to really which is hard to see past the physical sometimes. revisit the spiritual um, yeah, yeah. It's it's really hard to see the blessings that we all have that are being poured into the cup and overflowing when all we see are that person that annoys me because he has what I don't. Or even the horrors and the atrocities of what people can do to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you spend two minutes looking at the news every day, it could be really depressing. Well, there you go. You answered my question. Contentment is not a compromise, but a state of mind to be learned. Yeah. Go so. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the Bible or you have any questions, our email is in the description below. You can DM us. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're looking for a church family or you're in the Lubbock area, we invite you to come visit and hang out with us in Milwaukee. We love for you to find a church who practices the love of Christ.